Well, I want to thank all of you for coming tonight. And I was really surprised when the pastor asked me to speak. I didn't know what, quite what to say because I said, I don't think I have anything to say. And then I thought about it and I said, I have a lot. He did mention marriage. He didn't say anything else that I should talk about or say. So he's really a trusting pastor. But anyway, I think he was too polite to say it. When he said, I think he knew I had 65 years of marriage and I thought by that time I should learn a little something. And I think that's why he asked me to be here. I will touch on marriage in a little bit, but I wanted to just remind you of what that song says, the Father planned it all. I, I have a life, a lot of experiences, and I thought, well, I'll tell you three, three times that God saved my life. I could have been killed or seriously injured. There are other blessings, too, I want to go over. One of them is marriage, but I have a lot of other ones, too. And first of all, I think most of it is based on trust and blessings. I'd like to read a couple verses here on the, bless, on the trust and blessings. Psalm 84, 12. The Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts you. Amen. Psalm 2, 12. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Both blessed and trust are in these two psalms. I, I believe they are very closely connected. Do one, trust, and receive the other, Blessed. Proverbs 28.20, a faithful man will abound with blessings. And since this is about marriage, Psalms 128.1-4 has some good news. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your home. Your children like olive plants all around our table. Behold. Thus shall every man be blessed who fears the Lord. And uh, I'd like to tell you some of my blessings. I have been a, well, let me back up again. I've been an art director and designer all my life, practically all my life. And I worked in illustrations, photographs, and copy. And I want to show you some of the photographs on the screen tonight that help emphasize what I have to say. I think it might be informative for a little bit more explained to you. Okay, let me see here. Okay. When I was, um, let me go to one thing here. That little girl was, well, I was five and a half years old when that little girl was born. She was in another state for me. I never saw her in 12, until 12 and a half years later. God had a plan. And just remember her, remember her what she looks like. When I was born, well, five and a half years old when she was two and a half, during that time, one of my boyhood friends was uh, playing with me. And he asked me, he said, if you have three wishes, what would it be? I was on about probably seven or eight years old at that time. I don't remember the first two, but I definitely remember the third. I said, I want to go to heaven when I die. Amen. And from that time on, I think God worked in my life. Uh, I did go to the Charlotte Baptist Church when I was in that age group, up to about 
high school graduation. That's the oldest Baptist church in North Carolina. It was established in 1728. It has a great uh, page on the email or your computer if you want to look at that. It's a nice looking church now. And I remember also uh, that was where I was saved, about 12 years old. I accepted God as my Lord and Savior, and I was baptized there. And then on to high school. Well, let me back up. When I was five and a half years old, you could go to school at that time if you would be six years old during the coming year. So I prepared myself, you know, well, my mother did, go dressed up, your new book bags, all your new stuff for the first day of school. And I lived in the country, and so right in front of our home there, and the school bus would come and go up the road and come back and pick me up. So I got ready and went, and uh, waiting for the bus to come, and I saw it go up the road. And then when it started back down the road, I said, or thought, I don't want to go to school this year. <laughs> I hid behind the house. <laughs> My mother saw me. She said, well, I think God's working on her too. She said, well, if he doesn't want to go, I'll let him go next year. So I skipped school. I skipped school the whole year, basically. <laughs> anyway, that's an important fact, that decision. I'll tell you why. Because if I hadn't made that decision, there are seven people here that wouldn't have been alive today. That's Bonnie, Jenna, Melody, Megan, Sienna, Colton. They would not have been here if I hadn't decided to skip school. Yeah, so they are blessed. <laughs> Yibs are blessed too. And you too, Chris. <laughs> anyway, then my senior year, well, back up. In my senior year in high school, there was an art contest by Walt Disney. I entered it. And I was a winner. That was very encouraging because at that time I was interested in doing art. I did all the art for the high school annual. And I did, and I was just good drawing. And uh, that encouraged me because there were four things I wanted in life. Chris, I mean, Chris and Pastor and Brian, Bill, all the men would appreciate this. I wanted a pretty wife, number one. <laughs> number two, wanted to be an artist. Number three, wanted how to fly. Number four, still thing. I want to go to heaven when I die. Those four things. I'd started on the art bit right, right then, so he'd give me the art bit, it just encouraged me. And then I, uh, I just really uh, was just, just messed around in high school, lunchtime one time, just in February. And you could go, you, we, were good, we could go off to the school grounds, eat anywhere we wanted to, so we had an hour off for lunch. So this February, I was uh, outside, and I think it's pretty cold anyway. I decided to go inside, and went inside, got warm, and I, when I went in the front door, the gym was off to the right. I'd never gone in before, hardly ever. I walked in that door that first day, and this is what I saw. No, that, that was the, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't see that. I, that. That was the art thing. I thought it was really a neat that God had planned on a school showing that, that Donald Duck was taking his kids to school, but they didn't want to go either. This was in October 1950, my senior year in high school. Okay. 
man, this is how I saw when I walked in that, class, that gym that day. I was hooked, line and sinker, caught. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a class, I think I might have skipped it right after lunch after going back there because I was trying to find somebody that knew her and knew me and introduced me to her. I was lucky, I found it. one of my friends had her math class, and he arranged to introduce us the very next day. And that was an introduction I'll never forget, and she won't either. This guy, he was a joker. He, he introduced us, he started going, and he started saying things I never imagined, how good I was at this and how good I was at that. I kept punching the ribs like this, hush up, it's too much. <laughs> She finally called on what he was doing. It was funny to her. She said it's the best introduction she'd ever had. Anyway, it worked. Anyway, the very next day, I wrote her a note. You might not believe this, but she kept a scrapbook from that day on. And when we got married, she had three scrapbooks, which I didn't know she was keeping. Anyway, here's the note I wrote to her. She kept it that very first day. I won't read it to you, but I, I'd ask her for a date. So many words. It was effective. She agreed to go. <laughs> this is a treasure thing. <laughs> anyway, we went on a date for that next day. And would you know what day that was? February 15, 1950? Valentine's Day. God has a sense of humor, I think. From that day on, we've been inseparable. I was a senior and she was a freshman. And if I hadn't skipped school that first year, I would have been a year earlier and I'd been completely gone. I never met her. Those kids there were never been to either. So if you have God on your side, make sure your decisions are in line with him because he, he will bless you. You don't make the wrong decisions. Okay. And then... That's, during that time, the Korean War was at full force, and I knew I was going to be drafted after school. This was in June when I met her, and sure enough, I volunteered to go in the Air Force in January on my birthday, and the very day I left for the Air Force, my draft notice came to my home. Anyway, God has been very great to me and very... Uh, he has blessed me greatly because even in the military, I was blessed. Went to Texas for a basic training. It was an Air Force. Went to Lackland Air Force Base for basic training. Then I, from there, I went to Denver, Colorado, Larry Air Force Base for a photography school. I was getting further and further away from home. Didn't too good. But anyway, another blessing came up. The first day there was like 40 or 50 of us in a particular class, and we were all lined up in the room. And the sergeant looked around the room. He looked at me and he said, what's your name? I said, Forbes. He says, you're the flight leader. Out of 50 people, I was picked to be the flight leader. Why that was good is because the, the flight leaders were automatically promoted to corporal right away. So I was promoted. Another blessing came up. Whoever got the highest grade in the class had the choice of the bases that were available at the time. At the end of the class, I had the second highest grade. My friend next to my desk, he had the first highest. There were two bases available. One in, a Knoxville, in a Nashville, Tennessee. It was not uh, McGee Tyson Air Force Base. It was in Knoxville. The other was in 
Greenville, South Carolina. And he asked me, he says, he had the highest grade that year. He had the highest grade and I had the next highest. He asked me, he says, what place would you want? I said, Greenville, South Carolina, it's closer home. He says, okay, I'll take Nashville. So that's how I was sent to Greenville for the Air Force Base. Closer home then, 426 miles away. I knew the distance between each little city, from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, to Greenville, South Carolina. During that, well, so I was sent to the photo lab at Donaldson, it's in Greenville, and in the photo lab, and one day, about 30 days later, a month later, another blessing. <laughs> the base operations officer came by, and he wanted three volunteers. Three of us volunteered to go. That was good for me because I was like in flying. I wanted to learn to fly, and it's, it's where the pilots did all the flight planning, all the things that pertain to flying cross country. We handled air traffic control, called in the flight plans and things like that. So that sounds very interesting. So three of us volunteered to go, and the operations officer said, I'll tell you now, by the end of the year, you'll be promoted to sergeant. So six, three months later, three, four or five months later, all three of us got promoted. So within six months, I was from nothing to a sergeant. And that job was good because that's a job you could really tell the generals what they could do or couldn't do. Because when they followed a flight plan, you had to make sure they didn't go across a restricted zone or got the right airways or things like that. So you could say you can't go there. <laughs> Not in that many words, but you could have the authority to tell them they couldn't do it. So that was fun. <laughs> anyway, like I say, and also another blessing is three of us, after about two or three months, got a chance, or we would handle all the scheduling in their work hours. So we would schedule it, so one of us could work a shift and work for the other's next shift and on holidays or weekends. We could uh, have several days in a row off. In that first year from that June to the next July or the next June, 11 months later, I had hitchhiked home 426 miles or 852 miles round trip 91 times. <laughs> I, no, I, no, not that time, it's 21 miles, uh, 21 trips, 21 trips. But each trip was almost a thousand miles, so that first year, I went home to see her 21 times. You know how many miles I hitched like that year? It was almost 18,000. Sometimes I'd get home, come back, work a day, and go back again. God really blessed me on those trips because in that whole year, all the time I uh, hitchhiked, I never ran into any rain or any bad weather. And it was just because of her. <laughs> okay. Let's see. First, the first trip back, uh, let's see. I really ran with my corporal stripes the first trip back, and there she is. And that first back trip back, we also had a first airplane ride. I was still in the airplane business. So we went, it was in Manny, North Carolina. We went flying an airplane. And after, I, after the 
military, in the end of the year, I was sent to Korea for a year. When I came back, I got discharged and I went into art. And during that time, I was really, really uh, still into art. I wanted to go to art. And uh, I had the VA training and went to Charlotte, North Carolina for VA training. And after that, I, we came back to Norfolk because that was closer to uh, our home in Elizabeth City. And I worked in advertising agencies from then on. And uh, I worked in five agencies. Now, I want to emphasize one thing. I'm not saying this to be braggart or anything else or boasting, but God has blessed me and allowed me to do all these things or given me the ability to, to do it. And during my career, I worked in five different agencies as art director, most of them. And one of them I was a part owner with another guy. And we merged that with a bigger agency because we, handled, we were handling the Virginia Beach account. And one other thing about being an art director, you might not be aware of it, but the average age of an art director when they uh, finish with the business because they want young guys is 40 years old. I worked until I was 62 in an art director. The last agency I was in was the executive vice president and senior art director. During that time, I uh, was really like, I really like to do logos. And I'll show you some of those later on. But anyway, I, I, I won a lot of awards for them. And some of them have been published in at least nine countries. And uh, God has blessed me. We've been able to compete with the younger guys. So really thankful. In fact, I just did a logo for Steve about two days ago. And I did a logo for my granddaughter in Florida about two weeks before we moved up here. I'll show you that in a minute. I want to talk, talk about that too. Okay, let's see what else I got here. During that time, during the uh, agency business, I, I wanted to learn how to fly. I got a pretty wife. I got, by the way, we married during my time in the Air Force. All these hitchhiking trips paid off full time. <laughs> anyway, I'll say this too. She thought I was going to have to go overseas in Korea during her junior year. So when she finished her junior year, we got married while she was still in high school. And she was pretty, so we decided to let her stay home and finish up the senior year. And she was not only pretty, she was smart. She finished valedictorian in her class, 125 people. So then when I went overseas, she went back home to stay with her parents till I came back. Um, I want to learn to fly. This is a plane I learned to fly in. And I bring that up because I had about six or seven hours of flying time. I was practicing takeoff and landings at Norfolk Airport, Norfolk International now. And uh, I got off work one afternoon and was going to practice some more flights. And I was coming in for the last landing, and here's one of the experiences I want to tell you that God saved my life at that time. I was coming in for a landing. It was almost dark. I'd never flown at dark before, and I'd never flown at a traffic pattern. I'd never flown at night. I was just 
basically landing and taking off. And I was coming in, lined up for the final uh, approach for it. And the tower called me and says, uh, turn right 90 degrees. An airliner is coming in behind you, and he's gaining. I was putting along at 70 miles an hour. He's probably going 200, so he wouldn't been. He was pretty close to me, so I turned right and flew about a couple minutes. You had it away the airliner. You, I don't know where you know this or not, but the bigger the airplane is, they give off what they call vortex. It's on the end of the wing tip. It's like small tornadoes. They curve inward like this. And the bigger the airplane, the stronger they are. So you have to wait at least two minutes before you come in behind them. Otherwise, you might flip upside down. So anyway, the tower called me and said, let's turn the air, return to the airport and land. I turned, and all of a sudden, this is what I saw. Black. I didn't know where the airport was. I was lost, completely lost. I thought to myself, what am I going to do? I, I never flown at night. I didn't know what the landmarks looked like. Now it'd been simple, but then, when you've never flown before, and never been at a pattern in flying at night, this is not Norfolk, but that's generally what it looks like. Luckily, I looked back off to the left there, and I saw a building. It had across a big sign across the top, giant open air market. That was at Ward's Corner at Norfolk. I knew exactly where I was then. It was about five miles northwest of the airport. So I turned that direction 90 degrees and flew, and all of a sudden I did see the airport fairly shortly. If I hadn't uh, seen that building with the sign on it, I don't know what I would have done, because I couldn't tell. I was a novice pilot just starting, and if you're in a plane by yourself at night and never done that before, it was scary. That was one of the times they saved me. Another time was... Uh, hydroplaning. We were driving back, my wife and I were driving back from uh, Rockville to go to Florida. We got back, back to the North Carolina and had a light rain. And all of a sudden, the car sort of felt light. And I had no control over the steering or the brakes. And the car turned around completely backwards. And we were going down the interstate at 65 miles an hour backwards. And where we were was a big embankment over the right-hand side. And I knew we were going to turn over if we went over there. But God provided along that way they had a little safety rail. And when the car turned around backwards, we went in the highway backwards. I could not do anything. We were just sitting there just waiting. And the car just kept drifting over to the right. And it just gently nosed the rail and just slowed down. Here was the damage on it, just out of the back corner there. I just happened to have the right safety spot at the right time, so God saved me from that. Because if we'd gone over that embankment, it would have probably rolled several times. Okay, another time I don't have a, a photograph of that, that God saved me. I was flying again a few years later out of the airport by myself. Just taken off in about 500 feet over the end of the runway. All of a sudden, I had a big puff of blue smoke covered the cockpit. It was there and it disappeared. And I didn't know what it was, but I looked on the instrument panel and saw that all pressure gauge. The needle was just, just going just like that, really going fast. And I 
called a terrace that'll have a smoke in a cockpit. I want to return. He says, well, what runway do you want? And I told him when I just left. He says, okay, you're clear. Go ahead. I'll, make you, I'll clear everything else. So I went in and landed. And when I landed, he had the fire trucks on the side of the runway. And I just taxed on up to the fixed space area. And when I got out of the plane, the whole left side and the whole bottom of the plane was covered with oil. What had happened was the oil line had burst, and it's, when it burst, it just poured, spewed all that oil over the, in, in, over the engine. And I checked the oil then. The flame would hold six quarts. I had two quarts left. If I'd have gone on, I'd have been over downtown Norfolk with the engine that was frozen up. Where was I going to go there? So another time you saved my life like that. And <coughs> during this time, I uh, was still doing logos, and uh, I'll show you what some of These are some I have done in my career. These are just quite a, I did put the Dollar Tree in color because that's one you, look, that's one you probably recognize. But I got several more. I just, this, this is just a sample. Okay, and... I'm going to show you a few more here. Got some church logos. I put them separately. Sometimes you have to really scheme to get out of doing things. The one on the right with the uh, globe and the Bible. There's a friend in our church. He was assigned to the uh, Southwest, South East Asia area, Japan, China, Korea, that whole area, and they were located in the Philippines. And they wanted a map with all the Philippine islands on them, or some. Do you know how many islands are in the Philippines? 7,641. 7, <laughs> I said, I can't draw that many. <laughs> so what I did, I took a half of the Pacific and made a globe. And since it was a uh, biblical thing, I used a P there, I mean a black bar, to make a cross with the Bible. And also it forms a P for the Philippines. So... That was one. And, uh, one at the bottom left was for Barry Robertson High School. It's a Christian school, and I used the black with the gold letters, I mean the gold leaves. I try to get something in each one that sort of pertains to the subject. Like the one on the far bottom right, that was Mid-Atlantic Presbyteria. So I got an M and an A and a cross in there, if y'all can see it. Westgate Church, I have the three, three crosses, three crosses. But anyway, that is that. Okay, and then I want to. Um, okay, this is one I did. I want to tell you how I use the same principle that God uses in this. Like when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, He makes you a new creature. He erases all your sins, takes away all the stuff that you don't need. And when I do a logo, I like to take away everything that's not necessary. In this particular one, it's my granddaughter's business or husband's. They just came up with the word squeaky clean. It's a business that cleans office buildings at night while nobody's there. And uh, I thought to myself, well, the vacuum cleaner might work. You know, big vacuum cleaner, really a powerful thing. 
I thought, no, that doesn't look too good for a logo, and it could be selling vacuum cleaners. And I thought, well, maybe somebody like a janitor or something like that with a mop or a broom or whatever, or pushing the vacuum. I did that, saying, no, that doesn't work either. Didn't look, that didn't look like a logo. Then I thought, well, maybe somebody with a flower duster. So I got thought about using somebody dust with a feather duster. <coughs> I thought, no, I don't need her. I just need the duster. Then I took a, I had my daughter-in-law there, posed with a feather duster in her hand. And I looked at it and said, no, I don't need her hand either. I just need a feather duster. So I got it on down to that. And I made an S like that because it's sort of similar if you're looking down on an office building like a corridor's in the building itself. And I said, I'll just put a feather duster in the, in that, let's use that, let's use that as a background. And I had it up straight at the beginning. I said, no, that looks like it's too static. They're just moving. So I moved it to an angle so it looks like it's in motion. So an active type thing. Now I bring that up as an example of what God does for us. When you are, when he creates you, he takes away all that stuff that's not necessary. And you also, you might not realize this, but you are also a logo or a symbol of him, of Christianity. And what people see is what you show them. So God wants you to show what he has done for you, to show the light, to show that this is a going business. And that's what most people want when they have a logo. They want to show the best side of their company, what they can do. They want you, they want you to come back and be the, you be the, they be the, and have customers that really will improve their business. So God is the same way with us. When he makes you, he makes you a completely new logo. And it says, don't let your uh, light be hidden under a bushel. He wants you to show it. So what he wants you to show is the best. And I try to do that when I do a logo, show what's very important, very simple, so people can get it. And also, he wants you to be active, not standing up straight. He wants you to be angled and doing stuff. So that's why I think you also assemble a good logo's design. I have another one here. The pastor preached the other day about transformation. Have a person or somebody that's transformed from the bad to the good, or I think he talked about a statue, I believe, you know, you take away what's not, what's not there to you and something's transformed. In this particular case, they handle or treat young people that have problems. And I thought, well, they take somebody that's got problems and make something really pretty or nice. So I thought of a butterfly which transformed from, transformed from a, caterpillar, a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. You might not notice it, but to show the care for it, I made two hearts for the wings. And actually that silhouette was a silhouette of my youngest son, Disney World. I used it as a silhouette for part of the wing like that. So all my logos, I try to follow. So it's more, I didn't realize until later on that I'm really trying to follow God's principles in my work, and he's blessed me so far. And okay. And 
One other thing, I haven't mentioned too much, but my wife is really has been was a really a good Christian woman, and we really trusted each other completely. One thing she did not believe I ever told her was how pretty she was. I, I went to the extreme of putting on a Vogue cover. <laughs> I told her several times a week how pretty she was. She always said, God gave you uh, eyes with rose-colored lenses. <laughs> After 63 years, I think she finally believed me when I said, you're lovely. I'm not quite sure of that yet. <laughs> anyway, I did a lot of things with her. Here's one she didn't think. <laughs> she didn't think I was perfect, but almost she thought. But anyway, I can't, I can't sing, still can't. But anyway, I did this. And that took a lot of work to draw that guitar and make that record. Anyway, <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing things together. She was a Christian woman, and here's what I wanted to show. I tried to uh, show you things in the photograph that people might not see. But if you notice, a, it's a cross behind her. That is a white door in our home, and a lot of doors have crosses in those panels up there. And I put, it, I put her in there like that. It's one of my better ones. And then she trusted me all her life. This November, two years ago, she fell and broke her leg. It really shattered it. She went through a six-hour operation, and uh, she was slow to recover. But she was responding fairly well. And uh, I think she had a stroke on the op during the operation because uh, one day, the, like two days later, we were trying to decide what to do, and we had an appointment to uh, discuss it the next morning. So we went home that night, and at 2.30 that morning, the nurse called me. He says, uh, we need to put Faye on life support. I said, why? He says, she's that often, how much time to go? I said, let me call my son and talk to him. And she said, you don't have time. I have it. It, it was a hard decision to make, but she had told me the day before that she said, Everett, I love you, but please let me go. I think she knew. And we had talked about it before. We both agreed that we didn't want life support. And when she told me that, I said, well, she trusted me. Do what she asked. And I said, and I used her own words. I said, let her go. And I hung up the phone. And I guess within the next five minutes, she called me back. She said, she's gone. And something really nice happened about three days later. My son, who lived next door, was in the Air Force at the time. And I'd, he, he came home to the funeral. And he, he, he wrote me an email. Here's what he said. I miss you and Grandma. I had a dream about Grandma Faye the other night. I told my mom and dad about it. I was, walking down, I was walking down her old court, and there were some orange flowers, and Faye said she wanted to bring her some. 
I picked them and brought them up to her and told her I missed her. And she said, I love you to me. I woke up crying. I've never had a dream like that before in my life. I just thought you should know that somehow Grandma still has a way of doing great things and being comforted even though she's not here with us right now. I know she's in heaven. I just wanted to say thank you to her and her for always being the most positive influence on my life. I love you and Grandma. Hope all is well and I can't wait to see you again when I get visit in the future. I replied, Forrest, I too had a dream two or three days after she died. Faye and I were standing together on a patio right outside a building. In front of us was a huge, was a high hill or semi-mountain with a road leading to the top where the road slant in two directions, to the left and to the right. Some kind of vehicle, I can't describe it, came down from the top to where we were standing. Faye immediately ran to it and got in. The vehicle went back up the hill, turned to the right, and went just a little way. Stopped, and Faye got out and ran back down the hill to where I was standing. I tried to hold her in my arms, but she just wasn't close enough, she said. Everett, it is wonderful. Everett, it is wonderful. Everett, it is wonderful. Three times. Then I woke up. I believe she got a glimpse of heaven and wanted me to know things were going to be all right. Another thing that happened back two months ago, right here, at Mount Vernon Cemetery. Her favorite color was yellow. And uh, I drove up there and got into the car and walked up there and was standing in front of the tombstone. And while I was standing there, a big, pretty butterfly came across. Both wings were bright yellow. It just fluttered right between us, ran right across. I'm not saying anything. It's well, I'm not saying anything is strange, but it was really comforting. Uh, let's see. Let's see, I don't know what I said. Say what I was going to say here. Okay, that's one thing. See, they're really grateful. I did not, right at her funeral time, I did not know what to put on her tombstone. I wanted to put something that was appropriate. I don't know if it was Jenna or Melody or Megan that called our friend that used to live across the street to tell her that Faye had died. And she said, well, I had a conversation with her just before we moved, and uh, we were talking about what we want on our graves, a tombstone. She said, I wanted faithful on mine, and Faye said she wanted grateful on hers. So I found it exactly what she wanted, so I designed it and put it on there for her. Another lesson. Okay. I believe that's all I got to say, but I just want you to know that God has blessed me tremendously all my life, and he has fulfilled three of his promises, or what I wanted, pretty wife, artist, learn to fly, and he has promised me the fourth, go to heaven and die. How blessed can you be? Okay, that's all I got to say, so I said goodbye. See you later. <laughs>
Amen. A lot of wisdom and a lot of, uh, a lot of experience, a lot of life experience. And uh, boy, just a lot of things that we can learn from that. So I appreciate that, Mr. Forbes. And uh, I've heard a lot of those bits and pieces of the story. It's good to hear it all together. And um, just, uh, uh, you know, what a, what a blessing life is, you know. And we, uh, we take it for granted a lot of times until it's not there anymore, you know. And uh, <clears throat> sure. good exactly right and I, I learned something else too uh <clears throat> the moral of the story for the kids is you better skip school <laughs> the, the more you skip school the more god works things out for you all right <laughs> kidding let's go ahead and stand we'll close in prayer we'll have an invitation here in just a minute father we love you again we thank you so much for uh for your faithfulness to us i thank you for mr forbes and for his testimony god what a what a tremendous uh testimony it is of your grace and God, just the encouragement to us to keep living for you. And God, uh, the, the fact that you, we get all of this and then heaven besides. And I thank you so much for that, God. I thank you for the promise of heaven. And God, just the encouragement it is that we can keep going. We can keep living for you. We can keep serving, for, serving you. And, and uh, no matter what we face, you're there to protect us. And, and I just, I can't imagine how many times Mr. Forbes mentioned several times that you protected him, you saved their lives. I can't imagine how many more times that we never even know about the ways that you watch over us and protect us and just do so many things for us in our lives. God, I thank you so much for that. I pray that you'd help us to be grateful for the things that you give us every single day for life, for breath, for each other, for this church, for our families. God, it's, it's such a tremendous, tremendous blessing that so often we take for granted. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to realize the importance of, of everything that you've given us and that we'd be able to use it to help us to serve you more and to serve you better and to love each other more and to love each other better. Thank you for that, God. I thank you for the testimony that we've had tonight. I pray that you just use it in our hearts to help us be more of what you want us to be. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, keep standing at your seats there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And as the piano plays, the invitation is open. If God's spoken to your heart, you can come forward this, this evening.